when we started avirate uh, we started a very good time it was just after the war where i even used to do sales oh. uh, start working with the merchandising like learn how you do your patterns everything because once you are aware of all the work that is gone in then you realize okay which is the first area that you can let go of because when you compete into that you enter a fast fashion industry right right so very rare unless that person is really close to you and really appreciates what you've done then you'll find somebody coming from the back end tapping and saying buddy you did no, a good job but now yeah. it's all about see motivation is the way forward if somebody from outside is not going to motivate you you need to self motivate yourself yeah. how do you self motivate is you need to pick what you want what will motivate Welcome for joining us on the very first episode of Entrepreneur Wired. Entrepreneur Wired is a platform which will share entrepreneurial stories, stories of startups, and also create dialogue. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us on the very first episode of Entrepreneur Wired is a very special guest, Asim Yunus. Thank you so much, Asim, for joining us. You. Asim Yunus is the CEO of Avirate, a leading fashion brand which is owned by the apparel company uh, Timex and Ferguson Group. Uh, thank you so much once again, Asim. This is a truly special occasion for us here, and uh, it is an absolute pleasure to have you here. So, without further ado, let us uh, jump into the questions, if you don't mind. Uh, so our viewers would like to know a bit about your story and a bit about the story of Avirate. Could Sorry. you please take us through that? Sure. So basically, you did mention that it's part of uh, Timex and Ferguson Group, uh, which has been into manufacturing of apparel for last five decades. Uh, so with that whole expertise that we had in terms of manufacturing and uh, the second generation that was running the business, felt we need to kind of diversify. Diversify. Uh, also look at the vertical integrations, mm -hmm. whether it's forward or backward. So when a lot of opportunities came, but they realized you needed more hands to come in. Yeah. So we were the third generation to come in, myself and one of my cousins. Right. Um, so when that opportunity came through, then we, it was easier for them to kind of look at, okay, what do we want to do? Right. Let's look at a diversified industry. Let's look at a forward integrated industry or a backward. And uh, I always like getting into the fashion, and I felt okay. Let's let me handle the retail side. So that's when, in two thousand nine, when I returned after my MBA from Australia, mm -hmm. um, when we decided okay, let's start working on the plan. Right. Um, so pretty much end of two thousand nine is when the brainstorming and the work of Avirate started through. Right. So, like, if you take like the Sri Lankan context, a lot of kids who come out of school want to maybe enter the corporate sector. Yeah. But you entered the business space. So, what inspired you to enter the business space, especially in uh, the fashion industry? Uh, I guess it's in the genes. Yeah. Uh, whole families into business, um, and that kind of gives you that push. Of course, you do work, and the family does tell you, you know, you, it's better for you to go out there, yeah, get some exposure, <laughs> learnings. Yeah. Uh, as a student, I did a lot of part-time work. Uh, there were times where I used to even wash dishes, right. uh, which nothing related to fashion, but uh, you need to make money. You're yeah. a student. But let me be very honest, those part-time jobs, even though they were not related to each other, mm -hmm. like washing dishes or doing sales uh, or uh, telemarketing, 
but eventually you learn one thing that it needs dedication and commitment exactly. irrespective of whether you're running a million dollar business or whether you're washing a dish for like ten dollars yeah if you don't have that you're not going to move to the next step and you will never be recognized by your superiors that okay this guy is actually worth to be kept in the company yeah you know part I agree, agree. So you could yeah. be thrown out yes 100 percent. so the that, that must be when during your tenure at australia that's right yeah. so uh, before joining uh, full-time like getting on board full-time at avirate did you work at any other organization um well within the company itself so yeah. whenever i used to before i went for my education uh, in between when i used to be here for vacation holidays I used to go to office, you know, it's just that I felt like, okay, I'm anyways going to come here. Uh, let me spend a couple of months uh, understanding what's happening, getting to know. So I thought best is I'll do within there. I wasn't too keen on exploring, but of course it's good. Uh, nowadays, I've seen a lot of younger generation going out, doing internship yeah. and all, Absolutely. and that's very good. Yeah. And I also really push for anyone who's about to go to college, yeah. uh, especially for their masters. Give a year, two years, three years, work and then go in there. Yeah. Yeah. You get that exposure because when you actually go into your master's, there's a lot of practicality mm-hmm. than theory. More practical than theory compared to your bachelor. Yeah, yeah. So if I you agree. Do, if you're not really out there understanding what's happening in the market, then you're going to be missing out on something. Yeah. Last thing, you are operating in a very competitive industry, which is the fashion industry. It's uh, one of those industries where there's very little margin for error. Uh, so what do you think uh, are some of the core competencies that uh, gives you a competitive advantage over the many players that are out there in the industry? Yeah. So when we started Avirate, uh, we started at a very good time. It was just after the war. Uh, so the retail industry was not really uh, blue, uh, booming. Actually, you will have only the department stores who would sell, you know, surplus that would be coming out of the market. You might find one on and off small brand. But now, if you look at the retail space, whether it's men's, women's, kids, you have a lot of brands coming in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. You know? So back then, it was basically you bring in some nice apparel with a brand and you can then function. Yeah. But when now it is more of, you know, you need to be more focused on what you need to do and who are you targeting to. Yeah. So right now, with, um, just to um, coming back to your question, I think we are more focused. We are more focused in terms of apparel, womenswear brand right. uh, area that we are in. Uh, it's very much competitive in terms of a younger audience. Right. Um, whatever the brands that are out there, you look at them, they're targeting mainly 18 to 30. Right. Uh, their sizes. Female population. Female, 18 female, to 30 female. 18 yeah. to 30 female or maximum 35. Their sizes go from UK 6 to UK 16. Right. Um, and that means they're more on the slimmer fit. Okay. If you're looking at that. So what we have created is a different niche for ourselves. Mm-hmm. We cater to 35, 30 plus. Right. So pretty much, you know, on a, a bit of a mature audience. Right. Our fits or the cuts are to make sure that a woman at that age is never going to have a body of, you know, a 19, 20 year old hitting the gym. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. might be hitting the gym. But still, your metabolism levels, everything kind of, you know, brings in at that age. That's true. So the cut is such that it covers all that extra uh, uh, flap that you have or the weight that you carry. And it looks like you're wearing a very nice dress. So the cut is very important. Then the TG that we're catering to. 
and what I feel is it's the price point. We didn't want to compete in that price point market because when you compete into that, you enter a fast fashion industry, right. which believes in you wearing a cloth for only two or three times. Right. Because the quality of fabric, quality of stitching is really bad that it does not last long. And that's why hence you end up paying a lower price. Right. We do charge double Aravirate, but we import the best fabric that you would find Calvin Klein using, Esprit using, any of the top brands using. So their suppliers are the suppliers who provide to Avirate. Right. So I pay a very much higher price in terms of fabric and the whole uh, production is happened at uh, main factories, right. which again is, you know, equipped to give you a better output. Yeah, that kind of answers the next question that I was going yeah. to pose you, which was, um, do you adapt a differentiation strategy or a cost leadership strategy? But very clearly, it looks like you are adapting a differentiation strategy where you are going to like have a very heavily targeted uh, effort in targeting a, a very specific niche and then making sure that you serve their needs to uh, uh, to the best ends. Which brings me to a next question, which is um, on supply chain management. And especially in an industry like the fashion industry, uh, that is perhaps the heart and soul. I mean, that's just not one of those areas where you can afford to make mistakes. Um, and so like, like my question towards you is, our viewers would like to know whether you use um, in-house supply chain or do you outsource it to others and what are the reasonings behind uh, adapting such uh, supply chain management? Sure. So uh, basically manufacturing is done in-house. Okay. Um, we have the expertise and we want to make sure that we need to use them. You know, basically we're providing a customer product that we usually ship to our buyers who sell at $100, $150. Right. We are selling it here $30 and the same output, same result in terms of the product quality. Uh, only thing that I really have outsourced is the logistic, I mean warehousing. Okay. Because that's not our core competencies. Yeah. And it's a bigger hassle for us to start managing that part of the business. So that's you, since day one has been outsourced. And we thought we don't want to get into that mess of, you know, inverting, allocations and yeah. replenishments and all. Let them handle. We just focus on the core business yeah. and see how we can improve that. Uh, but coming back to how this retail industry has changed in that last nine years has been when we started we used to follow four seasons right spring summer fall holiday well there's no winter in Shira. yeah we don't so we it don't just rains here <laughs> so we call it the holiday collection which is for december uh, but with time and thanks to zara and all yeah we had to move out from that four season because you're working now basically every month right so now we have drop one, drop two, drop two, uh, three, instead of calling them seasons, every month you have at least 35 new products coming into the store. 35? 35 products mm -hmm. coming into the store every month, minimum. Wow. <laughs> so in December, we have exactly 60 products coming in. Really? Yeah. And plus, our quantity is also... That's insane. So your development cost is higher. Yeah. So you need to make sure your margins cover that. So For back sure. then, you would design, say, 150. Mm -hmm. Assuming that, okay, I need only this much, I'm fine. You yeah. Know? It's, it was not really fast fashion. But now you need that 150 in like two or three months. Right. So I think, uh, like, I was just observing how you were saying that you are outsourcing warehousing, and as someone who's also mm -hmm. worked in some way across warehousing, it's probably a good idea because that's probably one area you don't want to get into, and it's best that you focus on your core competencies. Yeah. Um, which brings me to my next question, which is on leadership. Because without leadership, I mean, leaders set the tone and uh, they take the entire team towards 
uh, shared vision. Mm. Uh, what is your approach? Different managers and different business yeah. leaders have different approaches to leadership, which works for them based on the industry and based on the business yeah. they operate in. What is your leadership strategy and uh, why have you adopted that? Right. So when I started, I'll be very honest with you, it was very autocratic. Oh, <laughs> because okay. I come from an industry which requires that. Manufacturing right. requires that. Agreed, agreed. You cannot yeah, have yeah. everyone to give their opinion because you'll never succeed. Sure. You know? okay. Unfortunately, it's a very brutal industry and you need to be in that way. But after a few months, I realized retail and me running like a startup does not help. You need to be much more open. You need to get everyone's ideas. You need to start having brainstorming with the team. And then you pick whether it works yeah, it doesn't work. In the end, the decision is yours. Yeah, but you're get, getting more minds to work. So well, then, what I started was every quarter, I would call in my head of design, head of operations, marketing, and merchandising, which are my four key areas. Yeah. Get them on board. We would go out for maybe lunch, coffee. Coffee bean, they had the Where to? Coffee, coffee bean, bean, right. 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 The, the Maitland Crescent one, no? <laughs> yeah, I was there last night. Okay, anyways, moving on. <laughs> or we would actually, I would just tell them, you know, let's come over to my place, spend good three hours, uh, order some food, very relaxed, you know, right. not informal, yeah. but pick their brains. You know, tell them, okay, this is what I want to do. What do you all think? Share that idea whether I need to execute it, then they'll, I'll look at, I'll weigh the pros and cons, I'll see what their thoughts are, because in the end, they are the ones who are basically going to run it. Absolutely. You know, the design team needs to get a direction of where I want this brand to go. Yeah. Same way, merchandising needs to know what's my lead time. Sure. Operation team and marketing team needs to know how, do, how are they going to really push it and get it done. So that whole synergy needs to happen, which I felt is very key, because back then when I started, uh, didn't have really much experience on it. So design team, I would have one meeting, then merchandising, and then I realized, man, there's, that flow is not there. And that disconnect. Basically, the marketing guy needs to know as soon as the design is completed, what the product is going to be. Yeah. So he starts planning his visuals, creatives, photo shoots. Yeah. So that they work in sync. They work in sync. Otherwise, they're going to be that much like, time. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Operation team will then start training. So we have training books which is uh, handed out to the staff uh, who are fashion consultants uh, annually. So that book creates any new fabric that has come in, any new styling, what is in fashion for this year. So basically we have uh, also signed up with WGSN. Oh. Uh, it's an online uh, yeah, website. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it gives a lot of insight, which I doubt any of these girls would have access to. Right. Because it's more corporate and it's quite expensive. Yeah. So we actually compile what is really required, um, get it documented, and hand it out to them. So it's a small study for them. You know, the operation team thereafter questions, understands where they stand. Because customer service is the next thing that you really need to focus on. Absolutely, especially in your industry. So where we left was on leadership. We were yeah. talking about leadership and how you. At the start of your career, as the start of your business career, were more of an autocratic leader as as mm. per as to quote you. Initially, uh, yeah. And I think that is something common to all business leaders. Yeah. I don't think uh, everyone else is so much different. They want to come and do things themselves. But at some point, they realize that delegation is powerful. Mm. That there is power in teamwork. Yeah. So could you please tell us like when was that realization and how you made the transformation? Sure. So when, anyways, when you start the business on your own, um, you need to go to the root level. 
you know you need to work from ground where i even used to do sales oh. uh, start working with the merchandising like learn how you do your patterns everything because once you are aware of all the work that is gone in then you realize okay which is the first area that you can let go of where you feel right. like so for that you need two things right person and right time that's very interesting so how yeah, you judge yeah, yeah. that right person and right time is key so for me the first thing that i actually let out was my operations right. so i got a very good guy who ran operations so initially a lot of training was given to the staff and then i kind of told him go ahead and start training them and pushing them for sale because you need to keep that regularly going right and looking at that i felt okay operations running in terms of the front end team is the first thing that i can delegate and pass on then you look at the second step that you can do maybe okay marketing if your marketing person is strong and if you feel he's got the same eye that you have or at least close yeah um then you can start delegating but eventually you need to delegate yeah you know Absolutely, and uh, yeah. today i it gives me enough time around that i can even take uh say two weeks off right work will still go on yeah so for that of course you need the right person yeah and i think uh, like the higher you climb the more time you need for yourself to think and plan yeah. things out because you can't be like in a routine because there's no room for creativity then true uh, so moving on uh, in terms of sales you talk about sales right and how you had maybe started off uh, sales as the yeah. primary function so if our viewers would like to know what what were your main even now what is your main sales strategy and how have you how have you used marketing to complement that sales strategy so sales strategy basically automatically done through the product right you know so what we try to do is the marketing linking with the sale would be doing the creatives right because we are confident on the product and uh, even last 9 years we have seen our customers really enjoying and there's a lot of repeat customers so in fashion one thing that you really need to make sure is that there are a lot of repeat customers who come in yes absolutely. if your repeat customers drop below 50% means you're losing out on your loyal customers yeah so when you do not have loyal customers the sustainability of your brand is going to struggle because it's very difficult to capture new customers and there's always a cost to capture new customers absolutely and you cannot be spending on marketing every time sure. just to get one customer and your cost you sure, realize is sure. 2000 yeah. rupees i'm going to pay per customer your dress margins don't give you that absolutely so keeping at least above 50% retention on your loyal customers you need to provide the service you need to provide the right product so keeping that in mind we used to run a lot of loyalty programs or we still do yeah because that's the mother strategy yeah, which yeah. goes into the sales and keeping in mind that 50 60% of the clients that we have are going to run through this so give them like a birthday coupon give them an offer say okay now christmas is coming up we will be running say in one day we have a loyalty program discount of say 25 30% so all the loyal customers who are there in alitapes have that access to yes. that Yeah. So eventually everyone else would want to come and then you have this tier points where you spend x amount of money you get 2% of your bill value for the year if you have spent about say 100000 you get 6% of your bill value right so right, right, right. i ideally you are giving a more rewarding points to them to keep shopping with you and plus coming back to the marketing for the newer customers is all on creatives you take a nice picture put it out there of course social media instagram <laughs> yeah Back then you know it used to be newspapers hoardings all that but now i don't spend at all on that 
Right. My newspaper spend is only in December. So it's only on digital now. Only digital. Right. So, so I, I've basically dedicated a big budget only for digital marketing. Well, I think I, I need to like emphasize this moment because see, a lot of people are still like in Sri Lanka. I think you would agree with you. Mm. I agree with what I'm trying to say here. Are still like uh, having doubts about digital marketing, <laughs> which is funny because you're in 2019, uh, and I think. That coming from an experienced person like you speaks volumes because you, I think, are uh, an individual, an entrepreneur who was there when the, when the internet was becoming a thing. Okay. So even you could have had your doubts, but then you have invested a significant amount of resources and time on it, and I think the results speak for itself. And you were mentioning about Zara yes. as as a as a benchmark maybe, and you were talking about returning customers, and I think Zara does like a brilliant job of uh, you know bringing in return customers. And uh, which brings me to my next question, which is on. Uh, but let me sorry. Yeah, uh, for sure. Talking of Zara, just to mention, believe it or not, they don't have a marketing budget much. Right. If you look at them, they don't run any big advertisement ca uh, campaigns, magazines. Compared to all other retail brands that are there, Zara is the lowest marketing spend yet the most powerful retail brand in the world. Is it because the product speaks for itself, or see, is it because of see, customer service? See, their understanding is different. What they believe in, you give the product value for money and regular right so what zara does they make sure every week they have new products coming in yeah they want to make sure that one customer who has come today say if you had come into the store you have purchased for 50 dollars a t-shirt today you're going to come next week and buy another 50 dollars because they get you sucked into that yes. system of their newness coming in yeah so they have no big spend on marketing yeah yet they're there so sometimes you look at it it's all word of mouth that kind of picks in and through digital yeah and how digital without their spend it is the customers who go online on their own platform and they tag zara and yeah. then it just keeps going zara 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 and i think what zara does really well is uh, not only releasing uh, fashionable items at a very low Nominal turnaround, yeah. but also having a very limited stock, which means like you're as a customer, you might not see the same product the next yeah. time you see. Yeah. So there's a fear of losing out, and you True. want to constantly see the stock. Yes. Um, all right. So let's talk about obstacles now, mm. Azim, because you being in the industry for yeah. a long time, understand that Sri Lanka is probably not one of the most, you know, easiest place to work. Mm. Uh, not that other places are, but Sri Lanka has a unique set of challenges that comes along when it comes to running business. I'm not talking about macros here. Yeah. So what have been some of the biggest obstacles, uh, especially in an industry like fashion, which is cutthroat? Uh, what have been some of those biggest obstacles and how have you uh, managed to overcome them? Uh, I think as an industry, as all the competition that's there, we have actually worked very well together. So there isn't much of a issue or obstacle that I see amongst us because we have former Sri Lanka Retailers Association, we have Sri Lanka's uh, Apparel Brand Association, uh, but our major obstacles come from the outside, that is yeah. the government. Oh, right. You know, and to be very honest, uh, there are a lot of issues with the VAT as well, which is one of the biggest uh, challenge that we had. Up until 2015, things were moving at an upward trend. And then uh, 2015, the VAT was introduced, once VAT introduced, there was no, I mean, I'm not talking to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, but, uh, <laughs> I have to be honest. I think know? they are specifically talking about like a very they, specific point, which and, is the bank. This is not only yeah. Aminate. Yeah, this yeah, is, yeah. In general, all the retailers were yeah. impacted and we as a whole. Because it's a margin game. And then, it's a margin you know, game. Yeah. And let me be honest, any retailer will know their net profit to your revenue. 
is between 7 to 14 percent. Right. 7 percent is like a so-so brand, 14 percent a brand like Zara maybe. But when somebody introduces straight up 15 percent onto your revenue, you need to up your price because your margins are only 14 maximum. Yeah. You'll never survive. Absolutely. You know, or have a different mechanism on working. So one problem that as a retailer we faced big time and that we faced up until few weeks back or one month was that. Along with that, we also felt uh, this tourism plays an important role, which again kind of uh, was lacking. Yeah. And when tourism drops, it you feel like, you know, you can't really push because Sri Lanka in general is a very small market. Yeah, especially after the unfortunate incidents that yeah. happened on April yeah, 29th. So yeah. you, won't, you can actually plan your budgets for a year, but it's not really guaranteed that you're going to follow that because yeah. there are so many external factors exactly. that can impact. You can have VAT coming in, all of a sudden a change of government, you can have an unfortunate incident that happened in Easter. Yeah. So all that really plays a role. Uh, but coming back to my own personal, this was more on the macro level, uh, you learn from your mistakes. And I, one of the biggest mistakes that I made was, so when I started at the Maitland Crescent store, immediately we went to Cinnamon Lakeside because there was a big tourist influx back then right after the war. That was also successful. Then we opened one at Crescat, turned out to be another success. So when you're actually riding high on success, you should still make sure you sit down and control your emotions and thoughts. Unfortunately, which I did not. Right. And, and I'm not really embarrassed to say that because that's the learning that is uh, important. You know, you make that mistake and you learn. So on that success that I was going on, we were approached Dutch Hospital. Dutch Hospital, not the first phase, the second phase. Uh, which I think where the Burger King is. That, that right. is yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so when we approached, I went to the UDA, so they gave a beautiful presentation, what they want to do there. The investment that was required was nothing compared to what I paid for Lakeside or Crescat because those were smaller stores. Yeah. So when you get into a UDA project, the investments are much higher. Yeah. And uh, basically at that time, Mr. Gautabhya Rajapaksha was there and he actually was really pushing um, for everyone to like come in and go. Everything was good place was good but I guess I worked out my numbers wrong mm -hmm. for a brand like Avirate which caters to only one segment only to one uh, crowd that is women you cannot have a bigger store you need to know how much of your merchandise can be fulfilled and what is your maximum capacity right. basically the racking capacity you need to plan so what I did was with women's wear apparel brand, I felt, okay, 2,700 square feet should be very good. We can do. For that, then I realized, man, I need a lot of options. One thing, I had to start designing more options. I need more pieces. Yeah. I need to start producing. So everything is cost. When the product comes in, then I realized, man, the rents are too high. Right. Rents okay. are high. I've already spent on my product. Yes. Unfortunately, that whole Dutch hospital scene wasn't for shopping. Even now, if you go, it's for drinks and dinner. Yeah. Nobody really goes for shopping. <laughs> yeah. So keeping in mind, I mean, leaving why the customers did not come, but in terms of, you know, assuming that I had to go for 2000 because I felt like, 
oh, I'm on the success. I'm on my stores and my profit. So that kicks into your mind yeah. that you're like, anything I do yeah. is going I to think, be profitable. I think it's a high that you get with you constant look. success but and then all of a sudden. You pull it down and say, yeah. oh, wait, yeah. don't go up there, you know? Yes, yes, 100% um, agreed. But keeping that in mind, now all the Avidata stores that you would see, whether we open at one golf fest at CCC, is maximum 1200. 1200 square feet. 1200 square feet. Right. Which is. I think that's a good idea. That is good. Because yeah. in retail, what you need to follow is sales per square foot. Right. Wow, that's interesting. That is the term we use SPSF. So let's repeat that sales per square foot. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So every square foot matters because you're paying rent. So every square foot that you're paying rent on must make sure that you're able to cover that cost. Right. So now keeping that mechanism, I understood that even more. I went for some training programs in India because India has evolved in terms of uh, retailing. Okay. So this is where you learn <clears throat> those things where I felt, okay, let's look at the smaller the store, higher the SPSF. In general uh, sense, keep a store. If you feel like you have, you need 1500, go for 1200. Pump in all your uh, merchandise there. Hit the higher SPSF and automatically you'll hit the bottom line. Right. Wow, that's a very comprehensive answer. We yeah. do share. We do appreciate the fact that you shared that with us because I'm very sure our viewers will be able to benefit it, especially if they are in, uh, if they are planning to or already in the fashion industry. All right. So we were talking about how we're talking about you know uncertain environments, especially yeah. the macro which we cannot control. I think monitoring and controlling becomes a very big part of it, especially in an environment which is uncertain. So what are some of the key performance indicators which you use to uh, monitor the performance of your company? Yeah, so there are two ways. One is the sale, one is the profitability. So when you're looking at a sales uh, parameter, you need to take first thing is conversion. <clears throat> looking at what's your footfall and how many out of that footfall that has walked into your store have purchased. Then you have UPT, unit per transaction. So basically the benchmark that I follow, conversion at a standalone store needs to be above 70%. Right. That is 7 out of 10 customers who walk into the store, that Should standalone is more like a flagship in Metro and Crescent. Right. Where when they come into that particular store, they come with that mindset that I am going to shop. Right. Rather they are not going to come in. Uh, yeah. So that 70% required. The 30% is say you bring your mother, father, husband, wife. Child. A little bit of window so shopping that, as that, well. That's the addition. <laughs> yeah. But when you're at a mall, your conversion ideally should be at between 30 to 35%. Right. Because so 70% at a retail store and... 50% of it you'll take yeah. at uh, malls. Malls, right, 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 right. So you look at that. Especially because there's a lot of options and they're like... Yes. No brain, obviously. Yeah. So yeah. that is for the conversion benchmark that I follow when I have my weekly reviews. Then you have the UPT. UPT is unit per transaction. So that ideally my benchmark is 1.8. Mm -hmm. 1.8 is because if you keep at anything 1, 1.2, you realize that it is basically you're going to look at a quantity that customer would buy, take and go. Right. But if you move to 1.8, you're giving a chance of upselling. Yes. So you need to push to your operation teams or the sales team, you have to have UPT of 1.8. Right. Where You'll sell through maybe shoes, bags, whatever complement right. has been pushed through. Yeah, yeah, that's you know? very interesting. Strategy. So you kind of need to upset. 
if you have 100 customers and they buy only one product you'll never be able to achieve you need to make sure they buy more the better two three four and then you have your basket value so those three are the main parameters that is measured through sales so what would be your basket value or is so, it like sensitive stuff yeah, you can't share yeah, ideally, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I get it uh, because that's more sorry guys <laughs> but you'll have a value for example you can say okay my basket has to be say 10,000 rupees right so no, no, we get it, yeah. you work on that and then you look at the profitability my logic in terms of profitability is make sure you're controlling expenses based on the sales which is basic anyone would yeah know. yeah but how would you control now sales are not always up to the budget you'll have times when the sales don't hit the budget yeah when it does not hit the budget so how can you still go ahead with your expenditures where can you control because if you go ahead as per the budget expenses you're going to be losing money of course so what we work on is mechanism to kind of work on direct link with the marketing so if the sales have dropped by 10% compared to the budget, marketing spent for that month or the following month will reduce by 10%. Right. So the bottom line matters in order to make matters. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're running a business, you're not doing a charity. Of course. You, know, of you course. need to make sure your bottom line is green. Of course. If that's not green, you give few years and then do not have uh, where you think like, oh, I'm going to still try to push it further. Asim, if you notice uh, the Sri Lankan environment, we see a lot of startups popping up and yep. we see a lot of kids who are exiting school with the idea of starting their own business. Now, that wasn't such a fashionable topic back in the day. But I think the mindsets of parents to like kids are changing and the fact that internationally entrepreneurship has become this very cool thing to do. Yes. A lot of kids are entering the space. So what would be your advice for any aspiring entrepreneurs who are wishing to enter the fashion space in Sri Lanka? Uh, firstly, for the fashion, you need to have the passion. Because <laughs> well if you put. don't have passion yeah. for fashion, then do not enter the industry. In general, any industry, whatever you're doing, whether you're into fashion, you're into tech, you're into finance, you need to have the love for it. Passion drives business. Absolutely. And if you're not the driver, and if you're going to sit in the passenger seat, do not get it. Because it's going to waste everything. So firstly, make sure you have the passion. And then dedication and commitment. And Amen to that. <laughs> yeah, let me let me be honest again that you know I might have also you know not been the right person when I just started because you're young, and when you're young you always want to have fun. So you yeah. want to go out there. You want to go to Dutch hospital. Monday morning, but you're like Sunday night, let me get drunk. Yeah. <laughs> so then, uh, ideally, you need that dedication, commitment, and see whatever you party or however much hard you party. You will always remember whatever you do, your leisure time, your party, you need money. Yeah. If you don't have money, you're not going to do any of it. 100%. For money, what do you need to do? You need to get into the driving seat yeah. and drive your passion. That's beautifully put. You know? Yeah. So you start Couldn't there. Couldn't have said it better. Yeah. So even there are times where I would have been out till like say 5 in the morning. Wow. I would go to bed, but I'll wake up at 8 yeah. telling myself I need to head to work. If I don't, I won't make the money. If I don't make money, I won't be partying like the way I partied last night. That's true. Simple. The motivation. That's true. And no one else is going to give you motivation. You might have outside people coming, tapping at your back, but that's very rare. Mm -hmm. You know, some nowadays if they will, they won't even do that because they have this thing where oh he's doing this so well, let me not do anything. Right. So very rare 
unless that person is really close to you and really appreciates what you've done, then you'll find somebody coming from the back end tapping and saying, buddy, you did no, a good job. But now right. it's yeah. all about, see, motivation is the way forward. If somebody from outside is not going to motivate you, you need to self-motivate yourself. Yeah. How do you self-motivate? Is you need to pick what you want, what will motivate. For me, if I want to go out, I need to make money. Nobody's going to give me free food outside, free drinks. Not. So Especially for, not at National Hospital. <laughs> <not at> <laughs> you know what I mean? So for that, you need to basically keep that in mind and go and dedication of and commitment course. is key. So I, we would like, I think all the viewers would like to know more about your partying scene, but then let's, let's keep that discussion for another episode maybe. So let's uh, move into the finale set of yeah. questions, which is, uh, uh, okay, so we know how entrepreneurship and business is definitely not an easy thing. It's one of those things which is an integral part of your life. People talk about work-life balance, but in, real, in reality, that is not the case. Like this is something that is a part of you. It's part of your DNA and you have to wake up every single morning and you know give it your all. But it does take a toll on you. It does change you as a person because the wars that you face on a daily basis, it transforms you. So how would you describe has entrepreneurship transformed Azim Yunus, the person, the human? Um, so it got me very mature in terms of uh, as a personality because when I started Avidate, like I was saying, I was more into, you know, I want to be out, you know, yeah. but of course I had to do this because I loved getting into the fashion industry. So like I said, I cannot sit in the passenger seat and expect somebody to drive me. True. If you want to take your car to destination B, you need to drive. Yes. Uh, so it t- taught me a lot of things. It taught me, you know, things you cannot trust people on their words. And I told one of my colleagues, uh, one of my friends, just before I came in here as well, that everything should be documented. You know, yeah. do not trust. You might be the best of the person you know. Make sure. You know. So what I learned was these key things that are important as a person, which you take everything for granted. Uh, you need to start respecting others in terms of their viewpoint as well. Uh, when you look at that aspect of the area, you feel like with time meeting people, socializing, you have learned from other people a lot of insights that kind of build in and then transform you to be a better person. And with time, you kind of get mature in that, you know. So you start off, in general, anyone who starts a business at a young age will be in their early 20s. Yeah. And you cannot stop the fun that's in there. You know, then that's not, you don't want to live that life. Yeah, sure. You need to have a good balance. The balance Other yeah. stress will kill you. Of course. You know, even now when I'm stressed, I have my own stress busters that I do. Especially in a ruthless industry like the one you're yeah. in. Yeah. So you need to have ways where you kind of have a downtime or me time and just say, guys, I'm off for an hour. Keep me away. So phone's on silent. You just go. So it has taught you to give some me time. Yeah. Um, before that was never the case. Before anything, let's call my buddy. Yeah. Hey, come here. Come I here. can relate. No, no, you, don't need yeah. it. you don't need anyone. You just want to be by yourself. Yes. Uh, you get mature. You actually also start listening a lot. Of course. You know, with time that I realized before, that was not the case. Yeah. My listening skills were very poor. But I realized in this nine years, the transformation that helped me was listening. Where you sit, calm and listen. That, and at that point of time, your mind can work. It's just mouth yes, 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 Let it work in your mind. You want to interpret the way you want. You want to work on whatever you want to do, but everything in the mind. Yeah, I think listening is truly an art form which has got lost, but 
It's a very powerful, very uh, powerful tool that a lot of leaders need to have. And when you say documentation, Anush kind of got really happy because he keeps telling me to like put things in processes, which I never do. Yeah. Sorry, Anush. <laughs> Anyways, so just to wrap things up, uh, sir, <laughs> if I can call you that, uh, what are some of the final comments that you would like to leave our viewers with? Yeah, so which I mentioned last time, you know, you need to be dedicated, um, committed, and always remember it is yours. You know, if you are an entrepreneur, it's going to be yours. You're not going to be working for anyone else. You're working for yourself and you know what is best for you. And always before you make a decision, weigh your pros and cons. And do not get emotional yeah. with your business. 100% agree. You know, I've seen people destroying themselves because they want, they're so emotionally attached. They're like, yeah. oh, I have done this for 10 years. How can I let go? Even though the business is now dying. Yeah. He sees that happening that, oh, after my first four years were good, things didn't change. You didn't change as per the... Living in the past. Living in the past. Yeah. But you're still holding that emotional attachment. And a lot of people still hold that emotional attachment with their ventures that they've started. No emotions. Not working? No. If you're an entrepreneur, keep in mind what matters is just one thing, your bottom line. Bottom line. Amen. Bottom line. Amen. Connect that. Amen. <laughs> All right. All right. That was Asim Yunus, the CEO of Avirate, one of the leading fashion brands in Sri Lanka. We truly appreciate your time, sir. This is a very special Thank moment for all of us at Entrepreneur Wired. Like I said, ladies and gentlemen, Entrepreneur Wired is a platform which shares entrepreneurial stories, stories of startups and creates dialogue. We will be joining you very soon on another episode of Entrepreneur Wired. Until then, this is Abad Fawzan signing off on behalf of Entrepreneur Wired. We'll catch you again soon. Until then.